Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. you from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. We talk Memphis, you sound so good. We talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. And we've got a just a jam-packed program, especially if you happen to be someone who has elder parents because we're talking about hospice and long-term care today. And it is a program that is packed with information. And, uh, Mac, it's one of those things that, you know, everybody needs. To be. We're in that situation where people are in a, almost a sandwich generation. they got kids maybe still at home and aging parents. And they just, it's, it, you just get so much information jammed at you. So we've got some guests today that are going to help us get through that process. Absolutely, Jim. I'm looking forward to the program today to get a little clarity on both of those topics. Absolutely. But before we do that, it's always facts on Friday. So I'm listening to the fact part, man. You got to start out with me. This has been an exciting bull market, right? It has, but only 27% of Americans <laughs> think so. Uh, recent survey 27 of individual investors surveyed are high on the bull market. So and which so has it's, been a, it's, it's been a 70 75 months of a bull market run. You know Bob Dole, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, a month ago actually and he was talking about this is the most uh untrusted bull market. People just don't believe it and this statistic that you've got that's coming from the Association of Individual Investors says hey, it's a fact. They just don't believe and I can understand that. It just tells us how big 2008's recession was. And, and how long people's memories are. Oh, absolutely. Still which thinking surprising, about 08, which 09. Which is surprising. Yeah, that's absolutely. exactly right. Uh, how much money did we spend today? You Not know, you spend personally, but how much does the it's government a, spend? It's a today? little more than my budget, but <laughs> $10.3 billion. That's with a B. Uh, and that's a day. That's a day. Yes. You know, you said that when we were preparing for the program. I wonder if anybody could really, when, how easy would that be to write all those numbers down when you add it all up and you figure that we're spending about $3.75 trillion. That's equal. That's that's what we do in a fiscal year for 2015 trillion. How many people listening to us today could write those numbers down? I'm not, I couldn't. I'm not sure how many zeros top. that is. That is a lot of zeros. Um, well, the government. Uh, talk a little bit about what's going on. That's with the government. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they uh, the IRS took in the most money that they've ever <laughs> taken in this year. So taxes are up. Absolutely, taxes are up. That's a good thing. Uh, they took in four. Four hundred and seventy-one billion dollars of tax receipts, and that's the largest month, the largest ever. And that's coming again from the Treasury Department that tells us that information. That's pretty good. But you know, here's a here's a question for a lot of people have been concerned about Greece. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that we had some they they had to make some payments, and uh, you know, basically that the IMF, the you know, European the International Money Monetary Fund, had uh, they had a debt, and uh, was Greece going to be able to make the debt, or were they going to default? And you've got some information. On and that. absolutely, Jim. And as of last week, they did, or this week, they did make that seven hundred and fifty million dollar euro payment. 
to which the was, IMF. Which was actually due last Friday. It was due so last they, Friday. Yeah, and they got that done. And so uh, this turns out that uh, this is the largest sum that they, you know, they'd, they'd accumulated that amount of money that uh, in 2010 when some of this money was given to Greece to, to make it through their debt problems, their, right. their spending problems. I was talking to someone earlier about that it's going to take a leader in Greece that's willing to tell them you can't have your cake and eat it too. you got to decide which one you're going to do. you got to make the, some tough decisions. And it sounds a little bit maybe like uh, that maybe Greece and the United States is going to have to make some tough decisions. Correct. But they did make the payment. That was the big thing. We that talked was... about it last week. Were they going to be able to or were they going to default? Uh, and they were able to make that first payment, not out of the woods yet, no. uh, by any stretch, uh, but they did manage to make that payment. Well, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. Our guests today are going to be two people that we're going to introduce to you when we come back, because they are just going to nail it when it comes to hospice and long-term care, and it's important information for you to get. So you want to stay with us, because we're going to walk it through piece by piece. What do you need to look at? What do you need to be thinking about? And some personal testimonies from these two people. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. And I want to just tell you that we've got a program that you don't want to miss. So stay with us. But if you happen to have to leave us and you have to maybe get out of your car or maybe got to go to a meeting or something and you miss part of the program, you can always like us on Facebook and find us at iTunes. And all you have to do is search for Shoemaker Financial in this program. It's called Life's Crossroads and Long-Term Care. Life's Crossroads and long-term care. Our guests today, Gene Harrison and Patsy Jones. Gene Harrison is the founder of Crossroads Hospice here in Memphis, Tennessee. She's the executive director at Crossroads since 1999. And uh, Gene, you've been a guest before, and welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me today. I would like to tell you, though, I'm not the founder. I just didn't well, work to, there wait a, a second. Time. Wait, well, wait a minute. <laughs> if the radio says you're the founder, all of a sudden you're the founder. That's the way it works. Don't promotion you know? time. Promotion. Everybody yeah. believes the radio and they believe the internet. So today we promoted you to the founder. My apologies. I'm sorry no, about that. No, that's totally fine. I started working there in '99, and uh, it had been in uh, the company was started in Memphis in '98. And so I've been there a long time. You've been there a long time. Well, I know you do a great job. And I think what I like to hear and what I know you did last time when you walked this through us, and I, we had so many people come back and say, you know, I listened to her and she sounded like the person that's very much dedicated to the emotional support services that needed families need. And I mean, that's so important that you raise it to the highest possible level in hospice. So I, I guess let's start. How did you begin, uh, you know, in the whole idea of 19? 1999 and uh, you know Crossroads Hospice. What's what's going on and how did you get started? Well, it's kind of funny. It was kind of a God deal, I call it. Um, 
I was actually working for a gentleman selling medical supplies who got involved with this hospice, and he asked me if I would come over there and be the director, and I laughed and said, are you kidding? I'm more fun than that. And uh, so he talked to me for about a year, and the gentleman that was the director before me called me and said, won't you just come over here and try it for a day? And I did. And, um, you know, I wasn't really sure if that's what I was supposed to do or not, but I did it, and I asked for God's guidance, actually. And anyway, I've ended up staying there ever since, and it was the best thing I ever did. Now, you guys have 11 locations near in and around Memphis, right? Yes. So you're serving. Give us the kind of the geographic area. You're pretty much serving our listening audience. So talk with us about that. Where, Where are you located? Not all 11, but give me the geographics where you're talking. Well, I can tell you what that uh, Crossroads in Memphis is the only Crossroads site in Tennessee. We have one in Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Missouri, Lenexa. We have four in Ohio, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Um, so you're I'm you're, probably leaving one you're more than just Memphis, is yes, what, yes, what yes. We, what I guess across we're the country. Yeah, across the country. Now, when you hire somebody, your people are licensed, correct? Yes. To explain that, because a lot of people might not realize that they are a licensed professional. So you're talking about social workers. You're talking about uh, trained chaplains. Exactly. Uh, those type counselors. Grief recovery counselors. Absolutely. Well, of course, we have nurses. Right. And we have certified nursing assistants. We have uh, chaplains, social workers, bereavement coordinators. All these people are licensed. Our grief, rec- our bereavement coordinators are trained in grief recovery, so that is a real plus since that's such a large part of hospice. And our social workers are also uh, licensed; most have master level degrees. And our chaplains are all ordained ministers that have units of CPE along with their education, so they're very prepared to deal with the terminally ill and the uh, emotions and everything involved with it. Jean, let me ask you that. This, do you guys offer programs that are not funded by Medicare? Uh, yes, Crossroads does. We offer uh, what we call our gift of a day program, uh, where we try to find out if the perfect day was going to happen for that patient, what would it look like? And then our social workers get involved and help design that day for them. And uh, we call that our ultimate gift program, our gift of a day. We uh, do life journals for as many patients as possible. Uh, that are beautifully bound books. We have um, we do birthdays for every patient that we have. We also do veteran celebrations for every veteran that we possibly can. You know, when you talk about the journals, I mean, I, I think that is such a powerful thing to do. So can you guide us through what you're doing there with the with the journal? Because it's not just a couple of pictures, I know. So help us yeah. with what actually takes place. Well, it actually takes several weeks to do it, uh, sometimes a couple of months to do it. And we ask the family to gather pictures for us, sit and talk about life, uh, things that have happened, you know, trips or experiences that have happened for the patient. And then we have sometimes uh, University of Memphis social work students that help us do this. Sometimes we have volunteers that help pull it together. Our chaplains are very involved in coordinating it. And then we have a lady at our office that does nothing but put these journals together, and they're beautiful. They're hardbound books, and it's really cool. So, that, you know, again, I guess I want to clear up because I uh, led us into a kind of a, a mistake on my part because I'm thinking I, I know you guys when I say regional. I mean, you're talking about Shelby County, Fayette, and, and Tipton. Tipton. 
uh, not south of, you know, as far as the listening audience, but those three areas. And you've got uh, 200 and something employees. So right about 240. 240 employees. So this is not a two or three people running around. You're a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week service. Yes, and I don't want anybody to think when they call us that they're going to wake somebody up or not going to get an answer because we have nurses that work around the clock at our office. All right, let's get down to the meat. And out seeing patients. I want to get to the meat real quick because I think our listening audience needs to hear. How much does cost is the cost for hospice services? Where where does that come from and how do you explain it to us? Well, in 1984, uh, Medicare started paying for hospice, and there is a hospice benefit that goes along with it. And now most every private insurance has a program they usually follow suit with Medicare, and TenCare also pays for the hospice benefit. So the charge for the family is, for us, for our patients, we don't charge the family anything. Um, you can. You can charge a minimum price. but And also, we take unfunded patients. Now, obviously, we can't take every unfunded patient, but we've never had to turn one down. We uh, have taken everybody that's come along. We get them from everywhere. Let's um, introduce Patsy, Mac, because I, I think what I want to do is talk a little bit about long-term care. But I, I'm really interested in, in, in Gene helping us get through this process of you've got a per patient, you, you're moving through, and, and, you know, there's a point in time where you have to call hospice. I guess I, let me introduce Patsy. Patsy, of course, is a certified financial planner, one of our senior advisors in the office, does a lot of counseling with senior people that are, you know, entering into this phase of their life. And Patsy, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. You know, Patsy, one of the things you do is when you're helping someone, you're talking about long-term care insurance for them, and you're trying to help them understand the need or not the need. Talk a little bit about that, how you help them go through that understanding. Do they need it? And the cost, I mean, how do, how do you help them understand that there's a lot of different type of programs out there? Well, when I'm working with a client initially, we talk about what their goals are, what their dreams are for their life. We also talk about the bad things that could happen along the way and how we could protect ourselves against those things. One of the things we talk about is what is their support system. If, for example, it is uh, a single woman and she... Uh, is going to be on her own if she develops a long-term care need, we talk about, well, who in the family might be able to support her and provide her needs? Mm. If not, then what would she have to turn to? How would she pay for that? Those are, you know, Mac, those are questions that so many families get involved. I mean, you know, you and I were talking, even even in our own personal families, my mother spent the last three years of her life in a nursing home. And I, I guess, uh, Gene, I want to understand hospice and nursing home. Hospice and when do you, how does it connect? When does, how does hospice work in a nursing home? Well, when the doctor has decided that the patient has a diagnosis that is going to be life-limiting, and he believes it will be six months or less, then he gives an order for hospice. The family can call and say, hey, we really think mom could use hospice services. Can you come talk to us? The nursing home can call us and say, hey, we think this patient might be appropriate at this time. Okay, wait a second. So it comes me, from everywhere. All right, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Most people think it's always going to come from the doctor. Right. So, But the family can call in hospice. Absolutely. Is there? Is there – does that change the insurance plan or – well, no. 
uh, when they go into the nursing home or anywhere, hospice is a separate benefit. It has nothing to do with their nursing home room and board. Uh, It's just a separate benefit. You know, I can remember, Mac, when uh, my mom went through there, was in the nursing home, there was a need, you know, for us just to have someone watching her a lot. Now, we were able to do this with someone that we paid personally, but but hospice would have been, Gina, is that what, would I have called hospice? Should I have done that at that point? Absolutely. We're like any contracted service. You know, you call in people for mental health. You maybe call in people for rehab. Um, and so when you call in hospice, we're for end-of-life services. What does nursing homes, I mean, Mac, you were about to ask a question, but what is, I guess the question is, what does hospice do that a nursing home staff not do? Well, I think we're extra care. I like to think we're the fluff. We come in and provide the extra baths. We come in and be that extra set of eyes and help with the wound care. We provide medications that keep the family from having to pay for it at times. Uh, Anything to do with a terminal illness, we provide equipment, could be a wheelchair, um, could be a broder chair, it could be a bed, it could be anything. Jean, you talked about that extra service. How many hours a day uh, are you spending with the, with those people? Our staff, when they make a visit, usually are there an hour at least. And so you figure you've got a, a nursing assistant that's going to come three times a week. You've got a nurse that's going to come at least twice a week. You've got a social worker that's going to come a minimum of one time a month, and more often if they're helping to plan a funeral, if they're helping to uh, give advice as to what to do about certain things at the home and how to make arrangements for things. So you've got a chaplain that comes a minimum of once a month, and obviously more if we feel like that they spiritually want us and need us. Uh, it's it's a journey, and we try to make that journey with the family. And the journey is one that can be traumatic, or it can be, uh, you know, it can be one that can be almost to the point of where the person that uh, is in that state in their life uh, can it can be an honoring type of thing, and that's so critical. Do you ever find that uh, that you're doing sometimes for a patient that there is no family? You know, Patsy, you mentioned it that you might have be a, a single person with no family, no family here. Gene, does that ever happen with you, where you're where you actually know that you're you're in there and there is no family and you become that person's family? Absolutely. Now, every patient that cannot care for themselves has to have a caregiver. That's a Medicare requirement that they've got to have somebody taking care of them because hospice obviously isn't going to move in with them. But, yes, uh, sometimes they become closer to us than they are their own family members. All right, I, that, that, that you struck a chord there. So um, I, I guess if you just tuned in, we're talking with uh, Gene Harrison, and we're talking with the reality about long-term care and uh, the whole concept around hospice, and she's with Cross, Crossroads Hospice. And we're also talking with Patsy Jones and about long-term care and, and the whole idea behind long-term care. And it's, it's a question is you said they have to have a caregiver, now, Mac, I'm thinking of a person I can see easily there's nobody here. You know, your family's moved away. We're not a we don't stay in our same location. You know, I mean, you got family that moves all over the world and all of a sudden and you've outlived everybody. How do you how do you find I mean, I know there's somebody listening right now, Art, that's thinking I don't have a caregiver. And she just said it's required. So how do I find a caregiver? Well, actually, um, when you can no longer care for yourself, there are several options, and that's part of what our social workers do is try to help you find out what those options are. But there are nursing facilities, group homes, 
uh, assisted livings. There are all kinds of options out there, and even the government helps you to work through that. So, you know, there are benefits. So VA sometimes has a benefit that helps you with nursing homes. So, I mean, you just have to work together to figure it out, and there's not too many things you can't work out together. It's a critical, critical discussion. A lot of families wait till the last minute. Mac, you know, I mean, that's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those where when you need it, it's probably too late too to late get it. To, to and a lot of times, especially on the long-term care side, as, as Patsy can attest to, uh, you need to be thinking about that much prior to, to needing that benefit or service. All right, that sets me up to the next question then, Patsy. Why should I be thinking about it now? What's the? Why is it such an important – I mean, I'm – I'm not going to say how old I am. Well, I am too. Older than me. Older than you. 66. Uh, It's on my mind. Uh, I actually have long-term care insurance, uh, and it was on my mind seven, eight years ago. Um, But I talk to a lot of people that that when we ask them about it, it's like, oh, I didn't know I needed it. Why do they need it? Or it's difficult for them to think about themselves being in a situation of needing long-term care. Of needing care. long-term care. Right. So, so why should a person be thinking about it? Well, according to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, by the time a per- person reaches 65, they then have a 70% chance that they will need long-term care of some kind before their life is over. So their mortality rate, so let's just take a person to say 65 and they, they're going to live to be 90 you're saying there's a 70% chance that that person is going to end up in a nursing home. That is exactly right. Now, it may be for a short period. In 50% of the cases, it's less than a year that they need long-term care. But the other 50% can be considerably longer than that. Now, what about, it? I'm thinking of men. Men have a tendency to check out. Check out. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, you know, we just, you know. We live a life that doesn't allow us to, you know, hey, so we're gone. So what do you say? There are other reasons for that, too, but we don't don't need to get into that. You're exactly right. We'll do that on another radio program without the two ladies. Women are definitely tougher. Tougher, no question about it. But here's the thing. I mean, there is. what's the statistic for the number of women that's going to end up in a nursing home? About 70%. Of the patients who wind up in long-term care are, are women. women. Right. Oh, my goodness. So so we need to be talking to the ladies that are listening today right. that they need to be thinking. Now, see, again, my dad, well, perfect example, my dad checked out early, as you said. He passed away, and he was 54 years old of a heart attack, you know, and so gone. My mother lived to be 91 and, uh, and spent those three years, uh, last three years in her, and she went from... You know, moving from her home and uh, to a point where she could, she, I mean, she was cutting the grass at 85, guys. I mean, she, you know, wow. uh, she was one of those uh, great ladies from that standpoint. But when she began to see her life deteriorate and her, her physical body deteriorate, uh, it became, uh, she moved from there to assisted living, from assisted living. She failed while she was in assisted living, ended up into trying to go through rehab and really never got out of that and ended up in a nursing home. And so it was that trend, and she hits your statistic exactly right. Right. And yeah. the average age for w- women, the life expectancy is 87 now for women in the United States who've lived to be at least 65. And so our so, medical care is getting better, and so we're pushing that out. Because when I started in a business 40 years ago, the reality was if you got to be 65, you lived to be 71, you were done. And that's how we planned. And now it's uh, much, much longer 
and the process is much greater. I tell you what, when we come back, I want to get into some of these things about long-term care insurance, Mac, and some of the specifics about that and continue our discussion with Pansy and with Gene. But if you just tuned in, this is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins, and we're talking about a very important subject that you want to stay with us. And uh, when we come back, we'll get into the details and the weeds with it because it's important for all of us to know how to handle that group of people that we love so much and we want to make sure that we're taking care of it. We'll be right back after this. The Osgood File. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Mac Jenkins, and you're listening to Talk Money. It's every Friday, and we are discussing Medicare and long-term care, and we're talking about Medicaid, and we're talking about Crossroads and Hospice, and I want to remind everybody that Crossroads, Shoemaker Financial and Crossroads are not affiliated, and we recommend that each client, anybody listening, that uh, you meet with your medical professional for advice regarding your personal needs, and don't just take what um, we may be saying here on the radio as uh, what you have to do or should do. Always talk to your medical professional before you um, move into something like hospice. And of course, didn't, but you might want to just call Crossroads and get their opinion. But again, that's uh, your choice. But let's, Gene. I want to I want to deal with Crossroads, and I want us to make sure that that I understand. Do you offer programs? that we kind of talked about this, but I want to kind of nail it, that are not Medicare-funded. Yes, Crossroads does. And keep in mind, this is specific to Crossroads. Uh, I mentioned our Gift of a Day program where we try to design that perfect day for a patient, what that would look like. And that's really a lot of fun. Our Veterans program is incredible because, um, obviously, I haven't been a veteran, but if you have been a veteran how huge it is for you to be recognized and for people to thank you for the service you've given. We have birthday parties for every patient. We also have what we call our Even More Care program. We promise our patients, if at all possible, to be there with them at the time of death unless for some reason the family has chosen they want to be alone. Um, And so we will sit with the patient around the clock uh, giving comfort to the family and to the patient during those last hours. Well, you know, as you say that, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, and Mac, we kind of during the break talked about this, that, that all of a sudden you have this group of people that are professionals. They come into the situation, the, the mom, the dad, uh, you know, the parents, they, they have been, they've now reached that point in life, and the kids, I can see this, the kids, I know it was with my mom, I didn't really know how to... Know how to handle it. Absolutely, because mom is, uh, mom was mom. I mean, you know, all of a sudden I'm taking care of her, where she's been the the care provider for me for many, 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 many years, and all of a sudden the roles were reversed. I'm thinking that you have this person coming in from hospice that really meets a need, that if it's a son, I didn't know, I mean, my sister probably was better equipped at it, but Mac, I'm not so sure you and I could do too good with moms. No, not at all. I, I think you're right, Jim. I think the the, the daughters or, or the ladies do a much better job of the guys. But it's one of those where you you don't know how to you don't know how to act around them. So, Gene, I'm I'm guessing and and help me with this that added professionalism of and and for for a lot of folks, it may be the first time they're going through this. So exactly. having that professional around. Exactly. You know, it is said that we're the only country that thinks we're not going to die. And we don't usually spend a lot of time preparing for that, unfortunately, and how to do it well. And that's what I think hospice does is we come in to try to help you die well, so to speak, and to um, 
let the family know what to expect. Let the patient know what to expect. Uh, you know, if if uh, I think it brings you to question to try to understand your mortality and your belief system uh, is very important as to what you think is going to happen to you after death. I mean, it's the unknown. And uh, so it's it's just a lot of professionals that come in to try to make it a better situation. And it's proven that people that have had hospice, the grief process is shorter for the family afterwards because they were prepared. They were able to do some of the grieving beforehand. Uh, it's... Um, uh, you know, that I can understand. I, I totally get that. It is a journey. Uh, last question or, that I want to ask that a really specific question is, if I've hired hospice and, and I, you know, you are now taking care of my parents and my mom, and all of a sudden uh, we're expected, you said that, you know, there's the six months that, that she should, but she gets better. Right. What happens? Do you guys quit or, or can you stay or, or, or is it going to cost me if you have to come back? Or, you know, yeah. those are questions that I'm sure every person that's got that problem is going, well, I, do I bring them in too soon? Help me out with that. Well, that's a great question. First of all, we want you to bring a patient in early. We want you to sign up early so we have time to make a difference. So we have time to walk that journey and help that family and be the support that you need. Um, the doctor has to believe that the disease process has a six-month prognosis, but nobody knows when someone's going to die, so that doesn't mean you can only be hospice for six months. We have to show in our documentation to Medicare or to any insurance company the decline of a patient, and as long as we can still see that decline, you can be in hospice for a long time. As a matter of fact, we've had people in hospice for three years. So and uh, so it just happens. It's all about you. Nobody's disease is the same. I, I like that thought that that's it's all about the person. It's all about the family. It's all about that grieving process is going through that. And can I, I just say too, Jim, that in that grieving process, we see the family, our bereavement coordinators who are licensed professionals in grief recovery, see the patient for a minimum of 13 months. I mean, the family for a minimum of 13 months after the death. Uh, and longer, if they need that support, they can come for private counseling. You know, we keep up with the family. We send birthday cards at the anniversary, I mean, uh, cards, sympathy cards at the anniversary of the death, uh, for Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. We have a, you know, a pl- program that we keep up with that family. So so it's kind of, it's supporting the family as well as the individual Absolutely, patient. and it's just as important to support them. Oh, you know, that's been a... Great, great information, uh, Gina. And when we come back, I want to ask, Mar- you know, Patsy, you, you do such a good job with long-term care and all the counseling you do. I know you've got a personal testimony of a client that you work with, but so many people get caught up in the cost of long-term care that they don't do something. And so when we come back, I want you to be prepared to kind of help us go through how do you get through the cost? How do you select a company? I know you do a ton of counseling about that. But if you just tuned in, we're talking with Patsy Jones and Gene Harrison. I just remind everybody that Gene Harrison is the executive director of Cross, Crossroads Hospice. And we're not affiliated with Shoemaker Financial in any form or way. And you just should seek your professional advice uh, from your medical professional uh, to make a decision about hospice. But uh, we'll be back in just a minute. We're going to talk talk first with Rebecca Brazier in the Mid-South Moment, then Patsy Jones is going to help us go through the cost and selection of long-term care. It is often said that ideas are ahead of their time. This was certainly the case with those of Memphis businessman Clarence Saunders. 
The idea of a self-service grocery store complete with shopping carts, aisle displays, refrigerators, and multiple checkout stands is a concept we take for granted today. But this approach was revolutionary in 1916 when Saunders opened the first Piggly Wiggly store on Jefferson Street. Convinced that the traditional layout of grocery stores often led to their failure, Saunders patented a new model, which helped customers view all the available choices before deciding what to buy. What Saunders wanted in return was cash and payment rather than credit. This sound business model led to the rapid success of the Piggly Wiggly franchise, which grew to over 2,500 stores nationwide during the Great Depression. Although Saunders himself had to declare bankruptcy in 1923 after selling his stake in Piggly Wiggly at a heavy loss of nearly $40 million and was forced to sell his unfinished Pink Palace mansion to the city of Memphis, his ideas not only changed the way America went to the supermarket, but also influenced how many other businesses organized their manufacturing and customer relations systems. In the inner corridors of the Pink Palace today, a life-size model of the first Piggly Wiggly store still pays tribute to the legacy of Saunders, a visionary who is truly before his time. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Mac Jenkins. We're talking with Patchy Jones and Gene Harrison. Gene Harrison at Crossroads Hospice, and Patchy Jones, one of our certified financial planners at the office, a senior advisor, and a very much uh, professional when it comes to knowing and understanding long-term care insurance. Uh, we'll get to a question with her, but let me remind everybody, we have these things going all the time at the office, and every Friday we tell you what you're entitled to go to, but the Retirement GPS Program, gearing up for your your dream retirement. That's hosted. Uh, it's at the office. It's hosted by several of our advisors. Just call Judy at 901-757-5757. Let her know you'd like to come. It's May the 26th. That's next Tuesday at 630. Retirement GPS program. Retirement GPS. If you like thinking about it, you might want to come by. A lot of guys are going to be there. It is kind of limited <clears throat> seating, very much limited seating. So if you're going to come, be sure to call. Generating income for living is also, that's what's next. And the Ken Parrish with Franklin Templeton Investments will be there. He's also hosted by all the people at Shoemaker Financial. It's June the 2nd at 530. That's June the 2nd. Again, you just simply call the office at 757-5757. Let them know that you'd like to come. Uh, we appreciate the RSVP because it is limited seating. So um, I want to just make sure everybody knows that, Mac. Yeah, absolutely. I, the guys do a great job with those seminars. So if you're interested, certainly give Judy a call absolutely. there at the office. Patsy, one of the questions I wanted to ask, and we get this a lot, is how much does long-term care cost? It is not cheap, unfortunately. Of course, there are many different types of long-term care. A nursing home, which is what people think of most, in the uh, state of Tennessee, in Genworth's latest uh, survey of the cost of, of care, says that it costs about 70000 a year for a nursing home. Now, that's what the first thing people think of, but a person could also be in assisted living, which costs more like 40000 a year. But what most people really want is to be at home and taken care of at home. And those costs vary widely depending on what the illness is or what the injury is, how much help they have from family caregivers. 
So would you so would you say, Patsy, that having a long term care policy could help you stay in your home longer? It definitely gives you more choices. You know, when you talk about staying in the home, that's a that's a big plus. Uh, even as Jean was talking about this whole idea, and she mentioned it so, I mean, it was so important for me to get this that get your hospice there and help with that whole end of life. But you know, that's that's a priority. Don't wait. Uh, do that. But, Patsy, you're talking about that person who's in that final stages. It may be three, four, five years. And as you said, $70,000 a year, we're talking about an enormous amount of money that's basically coming out of the person's, if they they need the insurance to pay for it, or it's coming out of their assets. they got to write a check. That's right. Now, a lot of people think that Medicare or Medicaid will pay for long-term care. Help us with that kind of give the give instructions to that as you're counseling someone and they think that how do you deal with that first of all medicare is for people who are over 65 okay there is an astonishing number of people who are not 70 uh, or not 65 when they need help so medicare would definitely not cover them if they are 65 and have medicare there are still some rules about that medicare doesn't really pay for much they might cover as much as 100 days, but for a person who needs care beyond that, Medicare is not going to help them okay. for the most part. Okay. Medicaid? Medicaid is basically for poor people. So if you're not already poor, you're going to have to spend down your assets. You're going to have to become poor. And Until that doesn't take a lot of people. We talk about it. I mean, Mac, where you know, you say, Well, I'm on the bubble. Well, you know, that's what you got a person that's you know, they've got a 401k plan, they got their home, and you know, and, and they, they're they married, they're still married. And I know that you, you know, Medicare is not going to require that you lose your home, but you've got to spend basically everything down, and then you might be eligible to, to get Medicaid, but then you're leaving the person that's still at home almost destitute. That is exactly right. I am working with a client right now whose wife developed uh, Alzheimer's in her mid-60s. He took care of her for five years. He had had a good salary. He'd saved well, invested well, and yet he went through all but maybe uh, $250,000 of his assets. He had to sell his big home, move down to a condo in the process of caring for her for five years, so now he's just 79 and healthy and strong. So he has several years more to live and not much left. To not live much on. left to take care of the, the of his needs because of the need that she had. So the preparation part of that, Matt, can be pretty devastating. And a lot of people don't put that in their mindset. Absolutely. One of the things that I was just thinking when Patsy was going through that and Patsy, you can you can help me with this. So you've done everything right. You've saved money in the 401k. You're planning on a good retirement. And then based on what Patsy told us earlier, one spouse has to go in a nursing home. Where do you get the extra $70,000 a year? Yeah, you're just going to spend to, your money. To pay for that. You're just going to spend down. And that's where you're going to – and the kids are watching that. And in my situation, uh, you know, I was blessed enough to help my mom because uh, she – you know, her number one thing was I need to make sure that your sister gets, you know, my – the inheritance. And that was kind of where she was headed. It became a real struggle because she was afraid that she was going to lose everything and not have anything for my sister to get an inheritance from her dad. And of course, I she wanted to say that to me too. She was saying for you too. But I knew where she was really meaning that. She really wanted it for my sister. That was so critical for her. 
in the last three years of her life. And that's something that I think a mm. lot of people go through. Jane, do you hear people talking about that when you're dealing with that? When they're so critical, so thought provoking about they're saying, I want to make sure I leave something for my kids. Exactly. And, you know, all you can do is make the best plans you can make. But that's what it's about is making the best plans you can make. Have those advanced directives. Let your family know what you want. How extensive, how much, how many interventions do you want at the end of life? Or how limited do you want it to be? And have plans in place to protect your loved ones when you go. Well, for Shoemaker Financial, she's speaking our language. It said planning a lot. And that's, and I like what you said, Jean, that we're a country that don't think we're going to die. And, uh, but the planning process is something we do. When we come back, Patsy, I want you to help us with, with preparing ahead. That's the planning side. I want you to give us some step-by-step procedures that our listening audience can take away from this program about pre- preparing for long-term care, the needs, the insurance, all those things when we come back. Okay. You just tuned in. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Mike Jenkins is with me today as my co-host. We have Gene Harrison and we have Patsy Jones. And we're talking about the needs of planning. I little like what we said, the planning process of the end of life and how do you prepare for it, all the things to do with long-term care and hospice and, and just the special needs that families have. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I am uh, with Mac Jenkins, and we've got Patsy Jones and Gene Harrison. We're talking about the cost of long-term care. And I guess, Mac, kind of give us the thought, lay it up for us, because Patsy's going to walk us through this whole idea. Yeah, Patsy certainly piqued my interest with the $40,000 a year for assisted living or 70000 for nursing home. So what do I need to do, or what a, what a clients or listeners need to do in preparation for that? So how would they go about that, Patsy, about selecting a, a long-term care product? First of all, you want to talk with your family about what you would want to happen under different scenarios. If you became injured or ill, who in the family would be available to help you, and for how long could they help you? Perhaps they have children of their own they have to tend to. Perhaps they have a job. With my dad, I had to quit my job for a while to take care of him. So there's an excellent guide to long-term care in Tennessee that's easy to read and can help guide your discussion. You can find that on the Tennessee Health Care Association website, which is www.thca.org. Next, consider whether you would want to use a significant part of your retirement savings to pay for your care if long-term care is necessary. And finally, consider whether it makes sense to split the cost of care with an insurance company by purchasing long-term care insurance. Having an insurance company help pay for that care could mean that your spouse won't have to care for you 24-7 and then be left with little money left to live on. It could mean that you might wouldn't have to move in with your children. 
it could mean that you could maintain your own dignity and independence by having family members come to visit because they want to see you, not because they must take care of your needs. Now, I think if you're going to choose long-term care insurance, you want to talk with someone who has knowledge of all of the major long-term care insurance companies rather than a person who deals with just one because they vary widely in the benefits and the cost. So you want to find an expert, and we do that at Shoemaker Financial. We represent all of the major long-term care companies, and we can help you decide which one might be best for you based on how much you can afford to spend, what do you think your needs might be. Okay, Patsy, that's great. But step one, I got step one, is to have the conversation. may not be a great conversation, but have a conversation with with the entire family to make sure the family's on the same page. Is that, that correct? That is critical. Okay, because a lot of times I hear, well, my son or daughter would just take care of me, or or I've got a family, or the church will take care of me. It helps, certainly helps if everybody's on the same page, for sure. It does. And knowing what you can expect from Medicare and Medicaid or how little you can expect from them makes a big difference. Then when you are talking with your children, you you may find they have a different idea altogether about uh, how they could care for you versus what you think they could do. Patsy, I know you've worked with a lot of clients, and you've walked through this with a lot of people. You're a senior advisor. I know you have one that, that I'd like for you to talk about, just for our listening audience to hear that when you started the process, everybody was in good shape. And just kind of guide us through how you had to walk through and how you had to help the client. Okay. My client, she uh, bought long-term care insurance for her and her husband many years ago. Then her husband became ill, and eventually he, well, it started out with his hospital stay. He'd been doing pretty well up until... He had to go into the hospital. When he came home, he was never quite the same in terms of being able to take care of himself. So she began to have aides come in to help her at home. But it was very difficult for her to take care of him. Why would you say it's difficult? I mean, I'm thinking of one particular of my own case with a client. And I'm thinking of this. This little lady was five foot two, married to a six two 10 inches tall, and he weighed 260 pounds. She could not take care of him, physically could not take care of him. Well, my client tried her best. There wasn't quite the size difference, but he just couldn't do very much for himself. She had to bathe him. She had to take him to the bathroom when he needed to go. Sometimes there were accidents. Um, She just did the best she could, but it was extremely stressful for Mm -hmm. her. She had one son who lived here in town, Her other son was far away, no daughters. So ultimately, her long-term care insurance policy paid for the aid, paid later for nursing home, paid for assisted living along the way. So that's one case of how long-term care insurance was critical. And obviously, you helped them guide them through how to apply for it and get everything you needed to do. Well, if you just tuned in, we've been talking about life crossroads and long-term care with Patsy Jones and Gene Harrison. Let me give you a telephone number if you'd like to talk to Gene Harrison. It's 382-9292 and extension 2417. Gene Harrison, Executive Director for Hospice Crossroads Hospice here in Memphis, Tennessee. Of course, Patsy Jones at 757-5757. It's been a great program. 
program. We appreciate everybody listening. Art Fredericks, our producer and board operator. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistants, Eleanor Moskovitz and Katie Rashear. Mid-South of History Moments, done by Rebecca Brazier, and it's written by Drew Johnson. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you again next week, helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, Mac Jenkins, and Patsy Jones are registered representatives and investment advisors representative of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Shoemaker Financial is not affiliated with Crossroads Hospice and recommends that each client meet with their medical professional for advice regarding their needs. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Security and Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Adventist Capital Management and Security and Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Life insurance products contain fees such as mortality and expense charges and may contain restrictions such as surrender periods.